because we're talking about family tonight. Um, we're actually uh, practicing three different kind of sacraments tonight. We're going to look at communion, we're going to practice giving, and uh, then we're going to do some baptism at the end of our, our time together tonight. But kind of the overarching theme as we approach these three practices is family. We talk a lot about family, and, and I was talking to a friend recently, and she was kind of like, what's your church like? She grew up in church, isn't really necessarily part of a church anymore. Um, and so it was just kind of describing, she's like, what kind of church is it? And there's like a few categories that she was thinking that I would answer in. And I was like, well, it's probably kind of hard to explain because we really emphasize like togetherness and the, the importance of relationship with one another and the process of growing spiritually. And when we think about discipleship, when we think about growing in our faith, like for us, that is so relational. That's such a relational reality. And our relationships with one another are really important. We talk a lot about family. And like I was even um, just texting back and forth with my friend Joel this morning. Yeah, this morning. And um, this weekend he is up in Virginia and his, um, his brother's baby was born. And he sent me this picture and it was just such a, like a cool moment of like seeing him and then he posted online about it later and he said like how he experienced this just deep level of purity in the birth of this new child and just holding her in his arms. And it just reminded me even more about just the beauty and connectivity of what it means to be family. And, and we talk a lot about spiritual family tonight, even like at the very beginning of what it means for us to like be believers in Jesus. That verse that so many of us maybe learned in Sunday school or whatever version of that your church had growing up. You know, John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. At the heart of our faith, the person of Jesus, the Son of God, this familial language, and that we're able to join back in relationship, deep relationship with God, because his Son came to rescue us. But we see this picture of Jesus as Son, but it doesn't stop there. Like God calls us sons and daughters, that we know that we've been adopted. And just to remind us, and I know that we've read this together before, and it's something that we stress a lot, but I just wanted to remind us of this, because I think it's really important for us. Galatians chapter 4, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. And I love that. The Holy Spirit comes into us and radically shifts the way we see God to the point where we start using different words to, to call on God. We, we start calling him Father. We say Abba, and, and we view our relationship with the Father differently. And like, I just want to kind of do this exercise. Think of somebody in your field of work or like in somebody you admire, like some sort of celebrity, somebody you think, think has influence, somebody that's really distant from you but maybe has influence or popularity or some sort of power or something like that. Think about it. Think about it. Everybody picture a person. Everybody got somebody? Give me a thumbs up if you got somebody in your mind. All right? Because listen, this, for this illustration to work, everybody has to be thinking of somebody. Somebody you think has influence or power. All right, so when you think of that person, you think of them in a certain way. But now think of that person, whether a man or a woman, as your mother or father. And the way you immediately think about your accessibility to that person 
or what your relationship would be like, or even what you'd be able to like, like uh, ask that person for, it radically changes. Like, and Chris Martin from Coldplay, like, I've never met that guy, and he stands on a stage, and I've seen him on stage, but there's like 20,000 20, other people that night also seeing him on stage. But if he was my dad, I could go and like have him play a song for me in the living room, right? And when we think about God, when we think about a relationship with God in the context of family, it radically shifts the way we understand God. Not for a second does it rob God of his, of his power or his esteem or his prestige or his grandness or his holiness. All those things still exist, but we begin calling God Father and we see him differently when we understand our relationship with him as he's our father and we are his sons and daughters. But it doesn't stop there. We begin, as we start thinking about family, also seeing our relationship with one another differently as well. Ephesians chapter 2. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. And that we would be invited into this deep, beautiful relationship with God, but we're doing so alongside of one another. In this concept of the church as family, this concept of spiritual family, it's not just a good idea. I think for us, especially in our church, it has a deep uh, spiritual significance for us as well. I remember several years ago, just kind of getting this word for us as a people, and I still think it's true for us, that if the enemy is going to attack one thing in our church family, it's going to be our relationships. And I think for us, and this may not be true for everyone, it may not be true for all time, I think for us specifically, that concept of spiritual family is really significant. Because if, if the enemy could just get us to be offended for one day, or convince us that we're not loved by the people or some of the people in this room, or get us to just separate ourselves from one another. If the enemy could drive a wedge in our relationships, he could essentially, I think, make our church fall apart. And what a great success for him. But as we look at what God has done and what God is doing, and as we come together as spiritual family to help one another grow into the fullness of the thing God, things God has for us, we fight for family. And we see the value of what it means for us to be in relationship with God alongside of one another as we sharpen one another and encourage one another and keep one another accountable and cause one another, one another to go deeper and deeper and to encourage each other by calling out the image of God in each other. And so that's why, as we talk about these three things tonight, communion, giving, and baptism, that we're putting it in the context of family. Because it's not enough for us tonight to just come into this room and, and think that we're family because we look at the back of the head of the person in front of us. Like the fact that we're sitting in this room, but everybody except for me right now is silent. We're not building relationship. Like there's something more than just the worship gathering. I'm so grateful that all of you are here tonight. I'm so thankful that we get to sing and worship God together. I'm so grateful that we get to look into scripture together and read these verses and ask what they mean for our lives. Those things are all important. But when we start thinking about family, it expands our understanding of what the church is meant to be. And it helps us see the bigness of what it means for us to live life with one another in relationship with God together. We were just praying um, over one of our friends between the, the, service, the services in one of these prayer rooms over here. And I walked in and I just like immediately sensed a deep level of care and compassion for this person we were about to pray for. 
And as we prayed together, like the, the Lord gave me this picture of the five of us in that room standing arm in arm with her before God interceding on, on behalf of her. And I think that is a beautiful picture of what we begin seeing is possible when we understand the depth of what spiritual family is meant to be. And so I'm going to talk about these three practices, and we're going to practice these three things. And I want us to keep that just like thread of family um, kind of woven throughout tonight. Family means faith first. As we look at this act of communion, we're going to look at the idea that family means faith. When we come to the communion table, it is an act of faith that we come believing that Jesus accomplished something huge on our behalf. And that thing goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, when the Lord says this to Abram, who would later become Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. When God set out to rescue people, he's rescuing us with a purpose. God so desires relationship with you and me. But even in that, even in God calling these people, in Genesis chapter 12, near the very beginning, in the process of calling them to himself, of claiming a people for himself, part of that was that those people would become a blessing to all the earth. And God's intention for his people, God's intention for you in this room tonight is that you would be in deep, intimate relationship with him. And in so doing, you would also be a blessing to the world. That's why God sent Jesus. That's why we celebrate communion because it reminds us through the, the wine or the juice that we'll be drinking tonight, it reminds us that Christ was sacrificed on the cross on behalf of us, that we would be reunited with God. And in that symbol of the bread, it reminds us of the purity of the life that he lived, the beauty of the life that he lived. And it reminds us that we are part of the family through the work of Christ, Romans chapter 9. It's not the children... Uh, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, those who are of some sort of bloodline or those who are of this line of Abraham that we see in Genesis chapter 12, but it's the children of the promise, those who are of the work of the Messiah, the promised Christ, who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. And God has rescued us to himself so that we tonight in this room might be a blessing to the world. We are the children of the promise as we say yes to Jesus. And we are integrated. We are interconnected with those who believe as family, a family of faith. And we join together to fulfill the promise of Abraham that we would be a blessing to the world as we come together as his church. And so as we look at that bread, that symbol of the body of Christ tonight, it reminds us of the way Christ lived, the fullness and the bigness of the life that Jesus lived. A life full of love, a life of the miraculous, a life that has literally shifted the world. You and I are sitting in this room tonight because of the life of Jesus. And we have the opportunity to extend the life of Christ through our lives the way we live every day. You may have seen this picture online this week. 
is the cover of the New York Daily News. And it says, God isn't fixing this. And of course, there's that like initial reaction of like, what? Is somebody affronting God? But the more I thought about it, I realized I started to agree. Like all the turmoil, all the upheaval in the world, God isn't fixing it because God already has fixed it. Through the work of Jesus, the life of Christ, we have embodied for us what it means for us to then live a life that reconciles and redeems all of the world back to Jesus. God has accomplished his work through the person of Jesus, and then he has commissioned you and me to continue that work of reconciliation. So when we are expecting God to come down and do something, he's looking at us saying, I've already told you how I want to do it. I've given you Jesus and I've put you here with the power of the Holy Spirit to live out the things I want to accomplish on the earth. And while we wait for God to come down and do something, he's looking at us saying, I want you to do it. I've already given you the example in the body of Christ, the person of Jesus, of what it means to live a life that transforms culture and the world. And he's calling us to co-labor with him in the process of redeeming and reconciling all things. And as we take that bread tonight, I want us to think about the power that we have as we understand and live out the truth of the body of Christ. And then as we dip it in that juice and we remember the blood of Christ shed for us, we remember the bridge, Jesus, between us and the Father that allows us to step back into reconciled relationship with God. So we're about to take communion, but before we get there, I just want all of us to close our eyes. And maybe there are some in the room tonight who would say, you know what, I don't understand this whole thing or I haven't understood this whole thing about what it means to be a Christian, to follow Jesus. Tonight we just want to give you the opportunity to say yes to him. And you can do that just by right there where you're sitting in the quietness of your spirit in that chair. Just thank God for sending Jesus as the bridge to, to draw us back to him. There was this system of sacrifices that existed for thousands of years as people tried to make their lives right with God, but it never was enough. And so God said, I'm gonna put an end to this system of sacrifices and I'm gonna send my son Jesus so that we can be spiritual family, so that I can be reunited with my children. So Jesus, as he was sacrificed on the cross, became the perfect sacrifice to account for all the wrong that's ever been done on the face of the planet. And because of that, as we acknowledge Jesus and his sacrifice, we are reunited with God. So just thank him for sending Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins whether you're doing it for the first time or whether you're doing it for the thousandth time, let's just remember the sacrifice of Christ. Yes, Lord.